All right, everybody. Thank you for jumping on with us for our Jumpstart podcast. I got my man, Ryan Kosky, um, who always brings it, you know, real and raw and honest and pure and direct. So I always get excited to get him on. Um, VP of FFL, Baron Battaglia, and just crushing it, um, just constantly pouring into people, but staying very consistent, helping families every single month, and running a Hall of Fame type of um, trajectory. So, what's up, my man? How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing real well, Mark. What about you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for asking. And um, I want to get right into it. You know, um, I know that you are doing a lot of virtual sales, and I want to kind of go through some of the things you're doing to make, to create consistency um, mm-hmm. from a virtual stand, sales standpoint um, and your personal production. What are some things that you've learned along the way that have helped you to get to this level of consistency? Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's a lot that I've learned that's had to change from when we were in person. When we were in person, it was book 30 appointments, you know, um, door knock a little if you don't need, if you don't have 30 appointments booked. Um, and I don't think that quite cuts it, you know, when you're virtual. I don't think you're full-time if you only run 30 appointments a week. Like, you know, you wouldn't be able to convince me that that's a full-time schedule. Um, so the couple of things that I've done, um, one, I, I, I run 40 appointments a week, um, 160 a month. And most months I run quite a bit over that. Um, wow. So it, it forced me to, like, really pay attention to the numbers and – and dive into my numbers and understand my numbers and what that means for my business. So really the first thing that I had to do when I was trying it out was uh, when I was trying to develop consistency in the first place was anytime I would get no showed, I would just book an appointment. Um, when I was in person, if I got no showed, I had to go drive to the next one and I would be thinking in my head, Oh man, what did I do? Should I send them a text beforehand? You know, how should I rework my uh, tie downs? And I would way overthink everything. And I was kind of doing that when I was uh, when I was at my desk running virtually. And one of the times that somebody no showed me, I started to feel bad for myself and overthink everything. And then I looked at my phone. I'm like, dude, my phone's right there. I'm like, why don't I just book another appointment? And so that's what I did for the first couple of weeks that I was working. Whenever someone showed me, I just booked another appointment. And so I was running like 50 appointments, 50, 55 appointments for a couple weeks in a row. And then once I had a lot of numbers to look back at and see, hey, this is how many appointments I need to write X amount. Um, once I had seen that consistency, I, and now I know I need to run 40 appointments a week. Half of them are going to show up and I'm going to... 50% and that's going to give me, you know, help me help 13, 14 families a week. Wow. So lots of that. How many days a week are you doing that um, to get 40 appointments? So I run uh, six days a week. I dial pretty heavily on Tuesdays. I like to have three to, or Mondays and Thursdays. I like to have three to five appointments on Mondays and Thursdays, and then I try to run 10 appointments a day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Sometimes I'll run 47, sometimes I'll only run 50. <laughs> so but it ensures, like, so 
you didn't um, negotiate at all leaving the field and going into the um, virtual world. You actually said, I'm going to double, quadruple down on what was working in the field because it might take more, and I'm okay with that. I just want to win. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it takes. I, I Everyone always said you're going to have to spend double what you what you used to spend. So if you're going to have to spend double, I'm like, if I'm spending double, I'm going to work double, <laughs> right? Like I'm not going to spend double and not show up. Now I found that you certainly don't have to spend double. You know, it's not as scary as we all thought it was. But yeah, absolutely. I just kind of just tried to make sure if I was going to take a chance on something, if it was going to fail, it wasn't going to be for lack of effort on my part. Clearly, 40 appointments a week, more, or usually more, um, 160 plus appointments a month. And how many of those people, um, what's your show ratio on that? It's 48.5, like right around 48.5 or 6. Percent? Yeah, 48.5 percent. Okay, got it. And this is a virtual approach and you're doing you're doing a Zoom. Can you walk us through how you're coordinating and scheduling the Zoom to make sure that your schedule is intact and the client knows what to expect? How are you creating that expectation for Zoom with the client when you're booking the appointment? Yeah, so um, when we were in person, we said, hey, you know, I'm going to stop out tomorrow at this time. So I don't change anything from when we were doing that, except I say, hey, this is going to be on Zoom. Uh, what's the best email address to send you the Zoom link to? I get their email address. As far as scheduling goes, um, I book every 45 minutes. I found that that's the perfect amount of time. If you, you could book every 30 minutes, but if you sell a couple in a row, you're going to be running real far behind. But every 45 minutes really is the perfect balance. Every hour is just too long. It's too long sitting there in between appointments. Um, 45 minutes is perfect. I tell them all to give me a 30-minute window to call them to let them know I'm ready for them to hop on Zoom. And I don't send them the link ahead of time because I don't want them hopping on while I'm in another appointment. So once I get off, if it's a 5 o'clock appointment and I get off of my 4.15 at 5.15, then I'll call them. I'll send them the email and say, hey, go ahead and click this link, and I help them download the app if they need that, um, and I just I help them get on. Sometimes I'll have old people who I just do it over the phone with because sometimes they're <laughs> a little it's more difficult. It's worth it's not worth the effort trying to get them on Zoom, um, well, you know, past like a certain age. Okay, makes sense. But, you know, kind of all things considered, 48.5% are showing up, so close to 80 mm -hmm cents a month, 20 cents a week, that's still very strong. And then what would you say is your close ratio from that? It's uh, 56%. Dude, you know your numbers, man. I like that. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> I learned that the hard way. Yes, sir. Um, now let's talk about, you know, husband and wife, couples, um, how you're handling that. You know, how is, how's that all going? Yeah, definitely. So that was one of the more difficult, I say, I would say for me, that was one of the more difficult things to figure out. It took me longer probably to figure that out than it took me to figure out just about anything else in this business. I'll be honest with you about that, Mark. Um, but what we're doing now, 
actually helps out a lot for the first almost two years. I mean, I did this exclusively on my own. I booked all the appointments, um, ran all the appointments. Um, and eventually it got to the point where I just, I was gone from home long enough, you know, never at home to where my wife was like, Hey, I want to be involved. <laughs> so once she was like, Hey, what can I do? And she actually booked probably 50 to 60% of my calendar up every week. And I booked the other 40%. Um, and that's the balance that we have right now. So, you know, now we work together and it actually works out really well. I love that. Um, so as you're going through this journey, you're, you've learned a lot, you're learning, you've learned what works, what kind of doesn't work. And, you know, we have new agents that are listening all the time, right? We have new agents that are being hired every single day that are getting into their first dial sessions and trying to figure this thing out. Um, when you think about the consistency you've created and the ability to buy leads at scale, like, you know, think about your first time looking to buy a lead versus where you are today. What is the advice that you would give from a purchasing lead standpoint for someone that's trying to get rolling? Yeah, if you're trying to get rolling, you need to understand that what you bring in, so the the whatever revenue you want to produce, it's limited to the amount of money that you're willing to spend on leads. So of all the people at Family First Life, good agents, bad agents, from Steve Giordano to the people at the bottom, nobody's got much more than a 5 or 6x ROI. And nobody's much worse than a 4 or 5x ROI. So I'll have new agents come on that are frustrated, you know, that they've only been helping 10, 12, 15 families a month. And I'll ask them what they're spending on leads and they're spending, you know, they're only spending a, a couple grand a month. I'm like, look, man, your ROI is actually insane. Like you're doing really, really, really well. You're just not giving yourself a shot. You're not spending enough money. So whatever, however many families you want to help, you have to spend a quarter of that on leads. So if you want to help 20 families a month, 30 families a month, you have to spend a quarter of that. So if you want to help 20, you got to spend four or five grand a month. So a quarter of what you want to invest, a quarter of what you want to make, you need to invest. Yeah? Yep, absolutely. That's crazy. Now I get it. I don't think I've ever said it that way. I've obviously understand the returns and how it works. Um, but that really helps some people, huh? I mean, like, that's a very um, kind of refreshing way to say it. Whatever you want to make, you got to step. I like that so much. I'm going to hijack that. Um, yeah. And it does simplify it. Now, you've seen people that have listened to that verbatim, and you've seen people that have struggled mightily with that. How are you helping people understand, even though you said it and you're saying it, and that's what you're saying, and there's not another way to negotiate it, how are you helping people understand that, that that's, the only thing that matters financially. Yeah. So I mentioned before, I learned that tracking your numbers and knowing your numbers matters the hard way. Um, like I learned the hard way that knowing your numbers matters. So this is what I do now. Well, it used to be, it was a guessing game. An agent would call me, say, Hey, what's wrong? And I would do a role play and I would try to guess at what I thought they were doing wrong. I don't do that anymore. I track my numbers. I track my agent's numbers, whatever we submit in the weekly numbers, so appointments, sits, closes, and uh, average premium, or not average premium, annual premium. I track my in numbers, I track my agents. So when I have an agent come to me, say, hey, what's wrong? 
I look at my numbers. I show them my screen share, my numbers. I'm like, hey, these are what my numbers are. My sit ratio is 40.5%. Your sit ratio is 52%. And this happens all the time, Mark. It's crazy. I had an agent the other day who's helping like 10 or 12 families a month. And he was like, hey, how do I get on your level? And so I looked at his numbers, compared them to mine. His sit ratio is better than mine. His close ratio is better than mine. But he's running a third of the appointments that I'm running. I'm like, dude, you're better than me. I was like, look, if you just scale this up and you run the same amount of appointments I'm running, you're going to outproduce me. Your numbers don't lie. And that gave him the belief that he needed. He's like, oh, look, it's right there. Like, I've been doing this for six months. The numbers are there. I just need to spend more on the leads. That's strong. Refreshing, too. Um, you know, and I think if you're listening and you're paying attention to what Ryan's saying, you know, you should be uh, invigorated. You should be excited. The reason, Ryan, every week, would you say you approach the week with excitement or, or dread? I, I approach it with excitement now. I used to approach it with dread, but because um, I approach it with excitement now because I know my numbers so well, I just know that every time I book an appointment, how much money that's going to make me, regardless of if they show up, you know, they tell me to get lost if I sell them or if they get declined with every carrier in the books. So excitement for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I need people to really understand what you're saying. You broke down this level of activity is going to get you four results. Someone telling you to get lost, someone telling you to scram, people buying, policies canceling, and you saying, hey, 40 appointments a week, 56%, 48% show ratio, 56% close ratio, I cannot lose. You found a way numerically. Take the emotion out of it, right? You found a way numerically to win every single week, no matter what. And anybody who's listening can duplicate that. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm certainly nothing special. I gave you my numbers, Mark. You know people that have better sit ratios and closing ratios than I do. I love it. But you're not. But again, you're not. Um, you're not comparing yourself to someone else and getting stressed out about it and going, "Ah, oh, I wish life were better." Mm-hmm. You're just running your numbers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm making life better. If I want it to be better, I run more appointments. If I want it to be worse, I don't run as many appointments. It's really simple. <laughs> I want it to be worse. Um, okay. I love it. So when you think about going in Zoom, going through your presentation and helping the client understand, what are some things you're doing to eliminate objections before they even start? What is your approach to your um, presentation? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a a great question. So, um, I mean, for me, my whole goal, Mark, is for them to know that they want whatever it is, if it's final expense or mortgage protection, for them to know that they want it before I talk about the product and show the numbers. So for the first 10 to 12 minutes, all I'm doing is taking objections out of their bag, right? I'm taking objections away. I'm getting, I'm asking questions on purpose to bring things out um, so that way they can't bring it up. So I ask, hey, how much life insurance do you have outside of work? And I find out if they have any privately or if they have anything through work. And if they say, hey, I just have some through work, you know, I'm breaking that down. Hey, look, if you ever leave, quit, get fired or retire, you're not going to have access to those funds. Um so you want to depend, you, you take advantage of it because it's usually really cheap. You just don't want to depend on it. And I'm handling that up front because if you wait, 
if you wait till you show numbers to get past objections, after you show numbers, you're just a sales rep. Anything you say to them is just you trying to convince them to buy a product. And there's no way around that. I've tried everything in the book to get around that, and you just can't. But if you if you handle it up front, now you're educational, you're helping them understand, and you're building trust with them, and they're going to trust you. So that way at the end, not only do they not have any objections to give, but now they also trust you. You've helped them learn and understand their situation. Um, and, yeah, it's a, it's a huge deal. Okay. That is um, another mouthful. You know, yeah, I could spend the next hour talking about <laughs> objections. So. We have agents. We have agents that, um, especially when they're newer, they want to believe that the quotes equal a decision to buy. And mm. You and I both know that is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. If I get them the quote, like if I can figure out their health and get them the quotes, that equals a decision for them to buy. When we know that the quotes aren't a decision to buy. A decision to buy is their why, mm-hmm. right? It's the, it's the thing that is actually driving the actual emotion around the purchase. The numbers are a byproduct of that. So when you say, um, if you give them the quotes, everything you say after that turns you into a salesperson. And if you beat it on the upfront, if you get to it on the upfront, you're educational in nature, and you're helping them mm-hmm. and creating value. Um, how do you get a new agent to hear what you're saying about not thinking the quotes, not getting muffled in the giving quotes? The thing that I try to help my new agents understand is uh, decisions are not based on finances. They're based on value right? Do I value this? We all know people that spend ridiculous amounts of money on whether it's uh, a form of entertainment. Maybe they have some season tickets to some sports team that they pay a crazy amount for, or they have, you know, a car that's, you know, really expensive or whatever, you know, they, they spend money, more money than you would on something because they value it a lot more than you would. When value exceeds price, people buy. If you're focused on price, Mark, they're going to be focused on price, and that's all they're going to see. And if they're just making their decision on price, they're making their decision on, do I want to spend an extra 80 or or $100 a month? Yes or no? Most people, the answer is going to be no. But if you make that decision based on value, hey, do I want to make sure if I pass away that the home's paid off for my wife and kids? The answer to that of the time is going to be yes. So then your job is just to find something that doesn't take food off the table for them. At that point, it becomes very simple. So when value exceeds price, people buy. So if I have a client that's saying, hey, I want quotes, that tells me I need to make sure they're focused on value. So then I'm going to spend the next five, 10 minutes making sure I hammer home value and I don't talk about the price. When they're looking at price, you got to get them back to value. That's so strong. Value is why people buy. Value is why people make buying decisions. When they're looking mm-hmm. at price, get them back to value. So focus on. Um, so if I'm exercising, I, I it's my first week on the phones, and I am 
you know, I'm making five contacts a day. You know, what are some things that I, what are some word tracks or some things that I should be focused on or saying that is provide that is focused on value, not price. Um, by five contacts a day, you mean you're, you're giving five presentations a day, right? No, I'm trying oh, to fight my way through season to, to get the presentation. Um, I'm getting my butt kicked, but you know, maybe I'm getting, maybe I'm showing numbers two or three times a day. Uh, okay. I'm fighting for my life. It's my first week. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to make two, three sales this week and, and get this thing rolling. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Um, so a value for every person is different, Mark. What I value is different from what you value, right? So if I go into an appointment with preset conditions of what I think value is going to be for this client, I may be right, I may be wrong. But if, for instance, if I'm talking to a young 25-year-old just bought a house, they're single, nobody's living with them, and I talk about the death benefit, and if I spend three or four minutes talking about the death benefit, they don't care, Mark, what happens to their home if they die. They have nobody to leave it to. And so when you start talking about something that they don't value, they tune out, and they don't listen to you for the rest, even when you are talking about cash back or living benefits, and it's something that should be valuable they already tuned you out because you're talking about something that's not valuable to them. So in that case, what I say to those people, Mark, is, hey, Mark, I'm sure you're not too concerned with what's going to happen with the home if you die. You know, but of course, if you do pass away, it'll, it'll pay off the home now. That's not why people get mortgage protection. And what I'm communicating there is I'm communicating, Mark, I don't care about what you don't care about. And now they know mm -hmm. that I'm on board with them. Um, so that's one instance. But the way you find out what do people value is just by asking questions. Um, what I see a lot of new agents do is they'll try to tell people how valuable this is and they'll try to like make it valuable to people. That's not your job. Your job is to find the people who it is already valuable for. You're just asking questions so that they tell you what they value. Once they tell you what they value, now you talk about that. That is boss talk. I mean, <laughs> You're killing this. I mean, that's amazing, amazing training. Um, God bless America. I hope you're listening. I mean, this is really good. Um, we're gonna we're gonna dovetail this into a training day podcast. Again, you you've learned so much. You're sharing so much. You're helping so many people, including you building a team. Dude, this is a fantastic training. So I appreciate you taking time to jump on with us to the Jumpstart Podcast. It's no, no uh, secret why you're all of fame, helping 40 plus families a month. Uh, I appreciate all you do, brother. Yeah, sounds good, Mark. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Another Jumpstart. Let's keep breaking records. God bless.